Switched On on FM 104 and I'm joined by the founder of Orb Media, Kira Sheehan. Hello. Hi, Louise. Thank you so much for joining us once again. So the metaverse. But this week we are chatting about Spotify and the changes that they're going to be bringing in. What did you find out? Yes. Yes. So what caught my eye with Spotify this week is that they have brought in some new rules um, for their artist community. And the rules have quite an implication for a lot of artists who aren't big artists because the new rules state that you must have more than a thousand streams per year before you can get any royalties. So the thinking behind it is that artists who generally have less than a thousand streams per year would normally get paid about five cents per month. And all of those five cents are sitting in an account that the artist cannot access because there's minimum withdrawal amounts in the ecosystem. And unless you hit those targets, you can't take the money out. So the money is basically sitting there not doing anything. Is the this, result is yeah. that... I was going to say, is this spot- likely to stop artists from uploading music then? I would think that artists would have to take a long, hard look at their own business model and see, is it worth while? Yeah. You know, or are they just adding more sand to the beach, like trying to build this machine when realistically this, there's like... By the end of the year, there'll be 122 million songs on Spotify. Like, how do you stand out from that? Yeah. So um, it's caused quite a few waves within the artist community because people are taking the view that it's affecting art. It's affecting the democratisation of art and the access to it. Absolutely is. And like, it was only yesterday that we were looking at Spotify Wrapped and there's something like 100,000 songs going up on Spotify every single day. So as you were saying, there's a lot of music going up there. And it's just like, are you just adding to that? Yes. And the other thing that I found interesting was that if you want a royalty, you must hit 30 seconds. Spotify loves it when you hit 30 seconds, it pays the royalty. But between AI, bots and fake streaming... Um, plus, people are putting up sound effects in order to get a stream. So if you put a stream up for 31 seconds of rain, it gets the same amount of money that Stairway to Heaven gets. The output being that Spotify are trying to stamp that out. And then there's a fake, there's the threat of fake streaming with the AI bots. And if you can imagine like a click farm that would have been on YouTube years ago. So it's very hard with the power of AI and bots for Spotify to know what the fake stream and what isn't. Although it's estimated to be between somewhere in 10 and 20% of all streams. So they're going to start issuing massive fines to anyone that they find out to so, try and stop that. Which when you think yeah. that like AI is causing them a problem, you're like, hang on a second, AI is like a really big part of your business. Mm-hmm. This is the thing. So and that, I suppose Spotify yeah. has become huge as well. Well, it has become huge and like, for example, it has 551 million active listeners. Mm-hmm. And out of that 220 million pay for it. Mm-hmm. So either way they win, because if you don't pay, they get paid on the revenue from ads. And if you do pay, you're ad free. So either way that they're, they're winning. Mm-hmm. So then I always wonder then, how does that feed back to the artists? And I suppose at this point, the artists who are lower down the chain aren't going to get anything from it, whereas the ones who are doing really well and performing really well will get that added bonus on top. Yeah, there is going to be a transfer of wealth from the poorest to the richest. It's been, there's mad figures out there at the minute in the market and like like around 18 billion will go to artists um, who've already, who are already in the top 10. 
they don't actually need the money, whereas the struggling guys won't have access to it. Now, mm-hmm. you may argue they didn't have access in the first place because they couldn't de- they couldn't withdraw the funds. There is that point too, I suppose. I just wonder. There is that point. Yeah. yeah, but like we all have to ask ourselves when we complain about higher ticket prices, Spotify has a huge role to play in the business model that contributes to those ticket prices. In what way? So if you're an artist and you had been selling hardcore CDs, vinyl and merch in order to gain your fans. So when the fan buys the buys the CD, they're automatically emotionally connected to that piece of vinyl that they've bought. Um, when they download and stream, it's not the same thing. And either is the revenue. So because so many people are reliant on Spotify, they don't buy CDs and they don't buy vinyl. Now, I know vinyl's had a bit of a reemergence, which is great. Not so great for the planet, but it is great to see it. It means that the reliance on massive revenues comes back to touring. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see bands like Arctic Monkeys charging 90 euros a ticket, Elton John 160 euros a ticket. But yes, same venue, same type of tour, same type of, type of setup, same amount of crew. Someone like Inhaler can pull off a gig with amazing bands like Blossoms for 30 euros a ticket. Yeah. In the same venue as Arctic Monkeys. So there's a business model there and there's a fluctuation there and Spotify has a role to play in that. I I have a lot of thoughts on Spotify and I've spoken to artists who come in to me quite a bit about it and they were saying that it helps them in a way that people in other countries get to hear their music that maybe they wouldn't normally and I suppose that is a plus for them if they want to go and tour that helps them with that but I think if you're looking to get payment from it it's probably not great on what you level can... of tour can you afford to go on well that's like true 29 percent of yeah. all the users who listen to spotify are in europe so where who are you targeting as a, as an artist who are you targeting and where and can you afford to go there can you afford to tour there and will you fill the venues or is it another massive financial risk this is the thing so i suppose we'll have to wait and see if this new changes in spotify make a difference that anyone notices or if we'll just kind of continue as it was yes so two things happened this week one was a microcosm of the problem and the other was the actual problem so the actual problem came to light when it became clear that the organizers of a tech conference called devternity which was held in latvia in real life and had currently moved online they had created fake generated female personas, panellists and speakers in order to improve their diversity and inclusion statistics. And when it came out that they had created these women, the two real women who were due to speak at the event then pulled out and the event collapsed. Mm -hmm. So the upshot was that it became clear that this woman was invented called Anna Boyko She was supposed to have worked at Coinbase and she was supposed to be really well up and very accomplished in crypto. She had had an interview with the journalist and she was there down as a speaker. So as it turned out, she never worked for Coinbase. Her image was AI generated and the interview was an email interview which had been answered by someone else in the company. So when you think that the diversity and inclusion is so bad, that tech conferences have to generate fake female personas and deep fakes in order to improve their stats. It's completely off the charts. So on the back of that, this really impressive Irish woman called Rowena Hennigan, she runs a company called Row Remote. 
She said that during the week she had been sent a deck for a tech conference that was to take place in Europe next year. On that deck was a selection of women whose images had been auto-generated by AI and she looks down, there she sees herself. She never authorised her image use, she never authorised her name use and she certainly had not agreed to speak at the event. So this, she was just like really shocked by this and said, you know, this is where AI really has a part to play in how it could be really good and how it could be really bad and how it could really affect whole ecosystems that we're not aware of. On the back of that conversation, it then became clear that there are no women on the board of OpenAI. Last week, when Sam Altman was fired on Friday, they put in the CTO to do the cleanup, um, who was a woman, and then by Monday, she was gone and he was back in. So the fact that there's 44 billion women in the world, that this technology is at the forefront of the next developmental milestones of us as a human race, and there's no women involved, is really concerning. No women on the board whatsoever. So therefore, how we think, what we feel, what our perception is, how we view things through the lens of different types of females, people who identify as females, how that can affect information, disinformation, policies, like the implications are so massive that like they're even hard to imagine because there are no women voices on that board. How have we gotten to that point? So it's kind of a it's kind of a big story. Like like you could take a three hour explanation, mm-hmm. but something happened in Dublin last week, which was a microcosm of the actual problem. And what happened was I was at an event in Google and it was a founders event. It was called the Founder Story. And there was two panels. The first panel was people who were involved in funding the ecosystem. And there was a representative from Enterprise Ireland and there was a representative from an accelerator that's run in Dublin. Both of those people know that their stats on female inclusion are not what they should be. And both of them called it out and committed to do better, which in itself is a great thing because if you acknowledge there is a problem, then you're halfway there. And that's the hardest part sometimes. However, the next panel was a panel of three men and the panelist was also a man to talk about their funding journey and their founder story. No women whatsoever in the whole of the Irish ecosystem was represented on that panel, which was really disappointing and frustrating because I was one of a handful of female founders there. And when I looked around the room, it was primarily white and primarily male. And there were some schoolboys in the audience. And those schoolboys would have had no idea of what was actually happening at that event. They had no awareness of the lack of diversity of the male bias that was in that room. And what I could see was that they would think that this is normal and they would think that this is fine. And they will come up through the ecosystem thinking that that's normal and okay, And it's not normal and okay. And the fact that it was about funding and development both of which women have limited access to because globally women only get 2% of all the venture capitalist money in the world. We are so really lagging behind. And the microcosm of what happened at that Google for Startups event has translated. And the very fact we're talking about tech conferences that create fake AI female profiles to balance their gender diversity is just like, it's more ironic than, I don't know, Monty Python. It's so ironic. And that's, one small microcosm feeding into the massive ecosystem that we have. How does this affect things on a broader scheme then? 
But you know what? It's a sad thing to say is that it really affects the diversity of business, of sustainable business, of business with impacts, you know, and of how our children grow and develop into the next generation. It gives life through one lens, tech through one lens, you know, opportunities through one lens. Like it has massive implications when you think of, right, this whole thing about let's invest, let's have a unicorn. Everybody wants a unicorn. When I think of unicorns, I think of companies that have had a massive negative impact on society. I don't think of companies that have done great jobs, apart from Stripe, Mm -hmm. especially in Ireland, in the Irish ecosystem. Maybe Wayfair, they've had a really good impact. But in general, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to think, why don't we have more impactful venture-led companies? Because that's where women are. They're in impact. They're in sustainability. They're in community. They're in tech for good but they don't get the funding. Which is a shame. It is a shame because we could, uh, you know, have much more sustainable, viable, you know, much better society where our children aren't riddled with insecurity and self-harm and um, depression because they're looking at a unicorn that owns all their data and feeds them nasty algorithms Mm -hmm. that puts them in danger. You know, we could have a different society if we included more women in the funding ecosystem and let them develop their businesses around their own commitments and their families so instead more, of trying to shoehorn them yeah. into the tech bro model. More needs to be done really, doesn't it? Well, you know, there's a lot of good men out there and there's a lot of really strong male supporters and thankfully I have a lot of them in my circle and I always say it takes a village. Mm-hmm. It feels like a club and it is a club, but it takes a village. So if we can have more female voices, more inclusion, more funding and more awareness. If 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 one woman rises, a family rises. If a family rises, a community rises. And we don't end up with deep fakes of women to prove that the women exist. Yeah, that's the bizarrest thing I have ever heard. Making yeah, up fake chart. women. Completely off the chart. Completely. Yeah. Kira Sheehan, founder of Orb Media. Thank you so much for chatting to us. Thanks, Louise.